This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 57, Rethinking Professional Development for Teachers. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for listening and thank you for continuing to spread the word about Shifting Our Schools. You can help us to continue to spread the word and get more listeners and spread our message by leaving reviews on iTunes or anywhere else on the web, really. But iTunes, the way iTunes works is the more reviews you get, the the more you are found in search results. And we know that a lot of educators go there looking for uh, podcasts and we want to be found and nowhere to be found. We need reviews. And so if you could head over there already, thank you to Tim and Tanya and Autumn and Michael who have all left reviews uh, over the last couple months as we've gotten this show back up and running on iTunes. So I appreciate you and seeing that summer is here. Maybe you can now finally have a moment to breathe and maybe You enjoy us and can go over and leave a review for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, It means a lot to us uh, and continue to spread the message uh, to other teachers as well. Uh, We try to bring value in everything that we do here at Edera Learning. The more reviews we have, the more we can be found. Okay, I know you just want to know what are the freebies and discounts this week as we continue our one-to-one summer of fun march to opening the cart for our one-to-one micro-credential the end of July. So here you go. This week's freebie is our 30 Days of Free PD email series. It was our freebie last week, and we're extending that for a week because it's been so popular. It's probably our most popular freebie that we've given away this year so far. So we're going to give you another week. You can go over. You can sign up. You'll get uh, 30 days of emails in a row. Uh, you, again, you don't need to read them all now. You can just leave them there, and you know when you get back to school next year, Uh, know that you have access to them. You can either watch the video or read the email. We try to differentiate for you depending on your learning style. Uh, But it's a great series of videos and thoughts uh, around one-to-one teaching, around mentoring other people, and then also how do you connect your classroom with Chrissy Hellyer. So it's Chrissy, Kim, and I. Each of us did 10 videos for it. It's a great uh, a great way to get started. Now you can pick that up by going over to sospodcast.org slash 30 days. That's three zero D-A-Y-S, 30 days. Uh, sospodcast.org. If you just go there across the top, you'll find it and you can sign up and get started with your PD right now, or just go ahead and leave that in your inbox. Now, our discounted course this week, I'm so excited. It's going to be open for two weeks this time because we know that a lot of you are going to want uh, to get access to this. And we wanted to make sure that we had time that if some of our systems go down, uh, that we'll we'll be okay. So our discounted course will be uh, for two weeks. And so you have until Saturday, July 7th. And here's the course. Are you ready for it? We're discounting our digital citizenship in the classroom bundle. It's three courses that we have bundled together all about teaching digital citizenship to students in the classroom. The bundle is usually $69, but until July 7th, you can get it for just 25 bucks as part of our one-to-one summer fun. $25, three courses all together focused on teaching digital citizenship in the classroom. 
And let me just read for you the outcomes that are in this bundle of courses. So here's what you'll get. You For 25 bucks, you will get three courses that help you to identify policies and procedures that are currently stifling student creativity. Evaluate existing acceptable use policies and find one that is good for you or your school. You can help your school update yours or find one that works for you and for parents. Create an environment that encourages empowerment. Compare various viewpoints and arguments for privacy and protection online of student data. Determine appropriate ways to share learning within your classroom with students. Emphasizes the importance of meaningful digital citizenship integration and identify ways that digital citizenship can be consistently and meaningfully integrated into the curriculum. Those are the outcomes for the three courses. Uh, it's all content there that you can see. It's built on our own LMS, so you'll get to preview what, it, what it's like to uh, take a course from Edura Learning. It's all there for you for $25. Again, just head over to sospodcast.org slash one two one that's the number one two one or if you just go to sospodcast.org across the top of the menu bar there you will see one two one and of course the links are in the show notes as well if you're looking at this on your phone you click the little eye you'll get those links as well until july 7th so for two weeks we're going to be discounting our digital citizenship in the classroom bundle just 25 dollars Head over there and get that now. You'll also see everything else that'll be going on sale and some of the other giveaways on the one-to-one page. Um, All kinds of great information there, some other videos and stuff for you as well. All right, so let's get to it then. This week, we're talking about professional development and seeing that we are a professional development company, this fits nicely into our wheelhouse. I catch up with Tyler Rablin from Sunnyside School District, where his district is reimagining and rethinking about what does professional development look like next year. And he's been working with his admin team to rethink professional development. We get into a good conversations about PLCs. If your school does PLCs, I hear a lot of times from teachers, they feel like they're quote, a waste of time. And so his school district is really looking at how can they offer professional development to teachers and at the same time, use that built-in PLC time differently. And I love this. We get into a great conversation on different approaches for professional development and ways to give teachers voice and choice in their own learning. I think you're really going to like this one. So let's get to it. All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm here with Tyler Rablin, who I'm excited to actually get on the podcast. (laughs) I think we met for the first time. Was it NCCE the first time we actually sat down and just kind of chatted? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was all the online interaction. Yeah, I've seen you on the network and I've seen you over there. (laughs) But uh, at NCCE this last year, we hooked up and uh, I am excited to say that you're joining the Eduro Learning Consulting Team. Yes, I'm excited too. I'm, it's a blast. I am so excited to have you as part of the team. Um, I saw him, uh, I saw Tyler uh, present at NCCE and, and actually I took scouts with me, one being my wife, because she's way better <laughs> at that stuff than I am. And she's like, yeah, this guy's good. <laughs> we'll go talk to this one. So uh, I'm so excited that you are going to have some time to, uh, to spend more time with you and just learn uh, with you and from you. Uh, just love what you're doing. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself to everybody here at Shifting Our Schools and to the to the the wider audience of about 17 million people that listen to this podcast, or 10. Let's see. Give or take a few, 17 million. Yeah, right there, right there, somewhere in there. Um, but just uh, where are you at and then kind of what, what have you been up to? All right. Uh, so I am out in Sunnyside, Washington. 
uh, taking care of the central part of the state over there. Otherwise uh, known as perfect wine country. Oh yeah, we're we're flanked. People know by I it. love my wine, so oh, this, yeah. is, this is the middle of it, which is what I love. <laughs> yeah, so I'm out there in in Sunnyside. I'm at uh, Sunnyside High School, um, and I right now split my day a little bit. So I get to teach one class period of ELA in the morning. I have my freshmen, which I love, uh, um, cool. and then I spend the rest of my day as an instructional tech coach, um, really just looking around uh, and and helping people helping take people's ideas and, and make them reality and innovate and find places where uh, tech can help education uh, move forward and the two can team up nicely. And so that's, that's basically what every day looks like for me. All right. So I'm writing down, I'm taking notes because I like to take notes when I have these interviews, but taking people's ideas and making them reality. I love that as a coach. Talk to me like what is some, what's a process as a coach, a tech coach or that you help when you're like a teacher comes to you with an idea, what is kind of your first step with them? Like what, how do you, how do you go about that? How do you approach that? Um, a big piece for me is always, I mean, I, I know a lot of people say it, but it, it is really true. Bringing it back to the learning first. Yeah. Um, it's, it's gotta start from there. You can do a bunch of cool things and it can be really awesome, but a total waste of time if, it, yes. if you don't start at the learning first. So uh, that's always my first question is, you know, if this activity is successful, what are kids walking out with, yeah. um, right? Like what, what's the big takeaway? What are they actually learning? What's the content they're focusing on? Um, and so we'll start there. And I like starting there too, because if it starts with just a tool or if it starts with sort of that narrow focus, um, when it comes into the classroom, there's one route for students, right? right? Like we're going to use this tool, we're going to do this thing and they have to, everybody's doing the same thing versus if you bring it back to content, you're actually opening more doors to say, Absolutely. okay, that tool works. Kids can also get to the content from this or they can, they can get to the content from this. And yeah. um, so that's the other reason I like bringing it back there is it, takes the focus away from this one specific thing we're going to do to now let's talk like really because I think the biggest thing with tech is it opens up doors and possibilities for a bunch of different kids to reach the same content in ways that work for them yeah. um, and so that's always my first step is really to pull it back to that that point yeah and I love that you know we were I mean we're going to focus this this episode is really going to focus in on uh long-term professional development and, and kind of what you're revamping at your school, which I'm excited to get to you to talk about. But when we talk about professional development, it's one of my biggest pet peeves about conferences is a teacher goes to a conference and they come back and they're like, Tyler, dude, I've heard about this blogging thing and my kids have <laughs> to blog, right? And you're just like, I love blogging too, but what do you want them to learn? <laughs> Let's, you know, we have to start with the learning because it's not about Flipgrid or Padlet or blogs or whatever else you want out there. It's about the learning. And then we'll find the tool and blogging might be one of those tools and it might not, but we've got to stay focused on the learning to get us started. Yeah. I love it when you have those teachers come out like, have you heard of Padlet? This thing's amazing. I want to start using it every day in my classroom. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I love Padlet. <laughs> but what is it we're going to, you know, what do we want to use it for so that we can make sure we stay focused on, on the learning? I think it's something that, especially as, you know, we're all kind of like geeky people that do this stuff now, but we all had that. Like I remember a couple of my first lessons, I was like, that was really cool. And I look back, no learning happened whatsoever. And I was just like, we geeked out on some cool tools. And I mean, learning happens, but it's not like, you're just like, oh, wow, that could have, could have really done that a lot differently. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you were talking before we started recording here, you were saying like, we're overhauling our PD system down here and really trying to focus in on some long-term professional development. What does that mean? What, do you, what are some of the things you, that, that maybe you looked at as a district to start making that decision? And then what are, kind of, what are you kind of running into now or where are you at in this kind of process? Um, yeah, so you know, I, think, I think everybody in education recognizes a need around effective professional development, right? Like yeah. it's something that just is pretty hard to do well. And so, so in there, I don't know, there's something about it that there's, it's gotta be the perfect storm and that's the only way PD ends up working really yeah. well. Um, and then of course things change and that storm changes and suddenly yeah. it stops working well and you gotta revamp again. So, um, so we're, we're really at the beginning part of this process and um, Sunnyside, the, the admin team and the district level team are really, they're just awesome. Um, and they're really looking forward and saying like, okay, we know where education's going. How do we get staff members you know, ready for that? And how do we get them there? And so um, we actually started looking at what makes learning happen with students. Um, because, you know, as much as we like to pretend we're way different than our students, like at our core, we still react to things very similarly. Yeah. Um, and so we talked a lot about things like choice and voice and authentic products um, and things like that. Um, so, so we're really trying to take some of those, those motivation and engagement pieces that, that push deeper learning and engage that into PD. Um, so what it looks like now, the, the idea board, that's really, really messy and still getting worked out for that's next right. year. That's where you're at. Yeah, I love it. Um, the big piece that it starts with is some sort of meaningful choice. Um, mm. So we're, we're in the process of, um, initially, we were actually going to develop those, those topics and those choices for teachers um, and instead decided uh, we're really going to look into doing some sort of like an ed camp model or an unconference model when we first get back so that teachers can um, really start brainstorming, okay, what are the areas of need we see around our school? Um, and that way, not only is there going to be choice involved in the different topics, but it becomes a really relevant context and place-based approach to PD. It's, it's not, this is a topic we've seen research, this is a topic online, it's, you know, we see this need in our school and we're going to need people to focus in on that. Mm. Um, so, is your, so is the admin team saying like, and I'm not going to use the right words here, but like, is the admin team going, you know, for the next three years, we're focusing on reading and math and inquiry. And has, has the admin team, like when you're going to do this egg camp, have they still put on like, here are the themes for lack of a better term that we want things to fall into? Or are they even taking those off and saying, no, we want you to come up with what do you think we, our kids need? Yeah. And so they do, they're going to use the, like the broader, really the school improvement plan or, or right. the, okay. that the, the SIT has come up with. And so it'll be focused uh, on the improvement plan. Yeah. But then from there and, and, you know, I think like a lot of them are pretty, they, they're huge umbrellas. Yeah. Um, so I like that there's a ton of freedom within that. So I would be shocked if someone could find a topic that was not underneath one of those umbrellas. Sure. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be rooted in there, which I do think is important. Like it, it has to, everything has to be working together towards a vision. Um, yeah, right. Because that is the other piece that I'm excited about is um, it's going to be, it's right now we do a lot of content area PLCs, um, but there's not a whole lot of crossover um, mm. in terms of like a, the structured professional development time we use. And so right. that's going to be embedded now. So you'll have 
I'll use ELA because that's the world right. that I understand best. Yeah. You'll have one person from ELA looking into differentiation and one person looking into uh, grading practices. And, and then all of a sudden that team comes back. Um, and now you have one content area PLC with experts in a bunch of different areas that I think that that collaboration process is going to bump up a notch just for the simple fact that there are people really focused on a specific topic that are going to be engaging in discussion together. No, I like that. I like that they're bringing, uh, you're like the third school district that I've talked to in like the last two weeks that is really starting to rethink that PLC time, mm -hmm. you know, like so for so many years and like, as I travel around, go to different districts, the number one complaint I get from teachers is that PLC time is a waste of time. And, you know, and so it's been really interesting that this seems to be like a, a theme that I'm hearing, at least going into next huh. year's. How do we make PLC time really relevant for teachers? Because you can um, tell them at the school and they're saying, Hey, that's out. perfect. That's what makes these, <laughs> that's what makes our podcasts authentic. We, we've had a fire alarm. We've had after school. <laughs> our podcasts are, are authentic. Yeah. <laughs> there it goes. That's the way it goes. Um, but I, I like that we're starting to think about how, how do you do like what it sounds like you guys are doing is like, let people choose, but bring that back to your PLC and, and having those people go out, learn some different skills and then come back together and not just sit in that same group day every Friday or every Wednesday or whatever it is for half a day to, to be in your PLC. So that's an interesting approach. I like that. Yeah. And I, I like the, the idea of novelty has been a huge thing I've been thinking about this year because I've thought about it a lot with my students where, you know, we kind of talked about if someone comes back and falls in love with Padlet and wants to yeah. use Padlet every day, they're going to find it works great and kids get really into it. And then by like week two of using it every day, it might as well be a worksheet. Exactly. It's just hated at that point. So, um, and I think it's the same, you know, for, for anybody, if you do the same thing day in and day out and nothing ever changes, it's hard to stay focused on a purpose and a mission. And so, yeah, uh, yeah I think that's where sometimes PLC, when it becomes so routine, sometimes it can fall into that. Yeah, I agree. So is, is the idea then is the district supplying these, like almost like your spoken wheel approach where, you know, the, the wheel is the PLC and then the spokes people go out and, you know, one person goes to differentiation one person goes to uh, inquiry based, one person goes to PBL, whatever, whatever they are. Yeah. Um, and then comes back. Are, is the district then are, are coaches like you, are you the only coach in your district or are there other coaches like you that are running those trainings? Yeah. So we have, um, at the high school, there's a literacy coach and then uh, an instructional tech coach. Um, and then at our district level, we'll have two um, instructional tech facilitators. Uh, but actually, a lot of it is going to be the goal is that when during those breakout PLCs, that it can be pretty well teacher led. Mm, um, very cool. The, the idea is that, you know, some of the coaches might pass along resources or share ideas, but really we're hoping the teachers will uh, just in their process of looking into this information and really exploring that when they come together, um, it can be just an authentic experience where maybe so, there is a facilitator, cool. but that's so very that's like it. teacher, teachers, teach teachers. Yeah, exactly. Type of model. Very cool. And then what's the rotation on that? What are they thinking? Like one week, one week you're at these like teachers teaching teachers. The next week you're in your PLC discussing what you learned the week before. Like, have you worked out the timeline or is that still all? The, the goal right now is once a month for the, the instructional focus PLC. Um, okay. And so the goal would be like, you know, first month is, is really exploration in the research stage. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they get some time to do that. And then the next month when they come back, the goal would be, all right, we're in applications time. Like let's, here's, here are three things we're going to try out over the next month, come back the next month. And that's where the reflection happens, which um, I'm, I'm excited for that. And we talked about your, you mentioned the long-term embedded PD. I think that's one of the biggest pieces about it is instead of just getting new ideas, it's get new ideas, try them out. And then I think most importantly, you have to revisit and reflect on how effective was it? What can we do to improve in the future? Um, So I'm, I'm excited for that timeline. That, that reflection piece, I think it's overlooked so much, you know, we know that reflecting and I'm, and teachers reflect, but there's a difference between, and I have just found this personally and, and anybody else do leave comments or you can disagree with me as well, but there's, there's definitely, I have found a difference of, you know, I'm done, done teaching for the day. I get in my car and I used to my, one of my first teaching jobs, it was like a 40 minute drive home and it was great. Like just debrief time in my own head. Uh-huh. That's one way to reflect and debrief. But there is something completely different that happens when you have to reflect for others. Whether that be like one of the, I mean, when I was blogging full time before I was doing everything else, when I was like fully in the blog post and doing a blog post every other day, my, my own ability to reflect and take myself to the next level was massive because I wasn't just reflecting for me. I was actually now having to take whatever it was I learned that day or did that day and put it to somebody else. And blogging was that for me. And that doesn't have to be blogging. You can be, it could be in a forum. It could be in a word document. It could be, but it needs to be somewhere that it's not just you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? In Mm -hmm. order for that, I think that reflection to really become powerful, Uh, which is why we like kids to reflect on their work, which is why we know that reflection is good, which is why doctors have to take notes that after every time they visit you and reflect on the visit, like this is what professionals do. And we've got to find a way to bring that into um, professional development for teachers. As we're talking about the Duro side of things, I mean, I think we've, we've stumbled on that back in 2009 and that's always been what we've done. Like what has made the Cotel program so powerful? What's made our micro credential so powerful is time and time again, people come back and say, Oh my gosh, the time that you forced me to reflect because they didn't do, they wouldn't do it on their own, but, but you forced me to sit down and write it, or you forced me to sit down and think about it, or you made me get on a call like this and have to out loud talk about my teaching and learning. That's the power of, long-term embedded professional development. Yeah, I love that you brought up blogging there. That was uh, a few years back was the first time I really got into blogging. And initially it was just like, I think I had like one, one, one lesson I really liked or something. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I can write about this. Yeah. And, and even in the course of that, that blog where I thought I'd done a really good job in that lesson, as I was writing, I was like, oh my gosh, there are still plenty of things <laughs> I could change here. I know. I, I love teachers so often, like if I'll, I'll encourage them to blog and they'll, yeah. they'll say like, oh, I don't have anything to write about. And I'm like, you taught today, right? Yeah, like there's exactly. so much that goes on in, in, a, in one class period. Like you exactly. have you to write about. Yeah. Yeah. The names in this blog post have been changed to protect the innocent, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can talk about Billy and Susie all day long and be like, you're not going to believe what's going on today, right? Like, um, uh-huh. you're right. You know, there's so much, and especially, you know, I think dealing with people. And, you know, whether they be, you know, little people or, you know, adults, mm-hmm. there's so much that you learn in that reflective process. And it's one of the things I love about podcasting now too, is a lot of this is my own reflection. You know, I've moved from writing to, to having conversations with people, but 
whatever, whatever you choose that, that whatever your long-term professional development looks like, how do you get teachers to reflect? And it's the hardest part because it's the easiest part to skip. It's, it's actually having to do something. So we like to call it an actionable item, right? So if you're going to have a, if you're going to do professional development, whatever that is, at the end of that professional, there has to be an actionable item that people have to go away and do and try. And that could even be like, you are required to go and reflect. And somebody's going to fall like, I hate to say this, but it's like an assignment, like the principal is going to follow up or your teammates are going to follow up. Like you need to go, or we're going to try this inquiry based approach. That's the actionable item. You're going to come back and you got to report. How did you work on that? Mm -hmm. And I think too often though, we get into a situation where a lot of, especially in-house PD, there's, you know, there's a lot of content given, but there's no like, now what's your next step? What's your actionable item, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love the, I like the piece you talked about with that reflection being a, uh, a difficult thing to find time for. Yeah. Um, I think it's so important that there's some sort of embedded time for that reflection. Um, because, you know, and I, if someone told me like, all right, you just had a busy day teaching. We're not going to yeah, give you exactly. extra time. Go home and reflect. Not everybody's <laughs> going to do that. Right? Like that's not always going to happen. So yeah. that having that, designated time built into PD or PLCs where it's like, Hey, this is, this is our reflection time. Like let's reflect on how teaching is going. That's. And I I think there's different ways to do that. I mean, one way is, I mean, we've, again, we've had people, especially the COTEL program, which is the oldest micro credential we've had running since 2009. I mean, we've had people take it two and three times that they basically, what they do is they will, they pay us to force them to reflect. I mean, that's really what it is. Right. And Uh if you're paying for it, then you're more likely to do it. Yeah. Right. Like I, you know, I paid five hundred dollars for this course. I'm going to do this course, and it just so happens that course requires you to reflect every single week, and that's the powerful part, right? Yeah. And for some people, that's what holds your feet to the fire. Like if you're going to pay for something, you're going to do it, right? Like that's why people pay oh, yeah. all kinds of for gym memberships and you know, whatever <laughs> else. We pay for things, and we're like, if I pay for it, I'm actually going going to do it. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting. I, I just how you get that done. I've seen, I think some of the ways I've seen it done in schools is I had a, a, a principal friend or I have a principal friend. He's not a principal anymore, but he used to use a staff meetings. And so, because there was a weekly staff meeting, the first 10 minutes of a staff meeting, everybody just wrote and awesome. everybody, ha- every teacher had a journal. And so he just took 10 minutes. Cause uh, to your point, if I have to do this on my own time, it's never going to get done. But he just said, look, I'm dedicating 10 minutes to every staff meeting. You bring your journal and the first 10 minutes you write, um, reflect on today, reflect on, and his staff meetings were on Wednesday, you know, reflect to your teaching so far this week. And then there was five minutes to share with somebody else in the room, but it was just, and the teachers loved it. I mean, they hated it at first because you're making it do something. <laughs> but after a while, you know, you get into this routine of like, and you get, you have your own journal, like same as a blog, yeah. right? It just happens to be in a journal, but um, yeah, there's so many really cool ways. I think you can bring it into PLCs or staff meetings, but you have to make time for it. If you're going to, if you're going to make it a requirement somewhere, you have to make time for it. Yeah. You know, and in your day. And I think one of the other stories I like to tell around this idea is I have friends that work at Amazon here and they were finding out this was a cultural shift within Amazon is just like you get in schools all the time as well. Somebody would send an email, say the principal sends an email and says, I'd like everybody to read this before you show up at the meeting. 
well, you know, only like five people read, <laughs> you know, read the article oh, yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. You're to do. Well, the same thing was happening at Amazon. And so Amazon changed the culture that the first 45 minutes of every meeting is dedicated to reading whatever it is we're going to be discussing. Wow. So they don't even, you don't even send an attachment. So I've got friends that work and they're like, yep, you know, we, and they said, it's really weird because everybody shows up to the meeting. And if my job was to bring, you know, the document or I'm bringing research to move the company forward, you wait till you get to the meeting, you have to have a copy for everybody that's there. And then everybody sits in silence for 45 <laughs> minutes while everybody is like taking notes, reading it. But it's because if we say it's important, we've got to dedicate time to it. Right? And I thought that is so fascinating that you're seeing companies having to do the exact same thing we're constantly talking about in schools where you have to dedicate time if you're saying it's, it's important. And I'd love to see, I'd love to see a school do that. Like, no, we say this is important. We're going to find time. We want you to read this article. We will dedicate staff time, PLC time to read the article, you know? Yeah. But I just love some of those overlaps when I hear that. I'm like, oh my gosh, every company struggles with that. You know, somebody says, oh, I didn't read it. Did you read it? So I don't know. I think there's some, there's something there about the dedication of time for, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, what are you doing as far as choice? Like you were talking about teachers having choice. Is, is all this choice going to be teachers teaching teachers in kind of breakout sessions? Or is the admin looking at, can, can teachers take an online course? Can teachers do online professional development is, is being in a Twitter chat that happens to be during that time. I mean, are they starting to think a little bit wider than traditional? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's going to be one of my roles next year is, is helping support the learning and the ongoing process instead of the, you know, the traditional, we have this block of time reserved for learning, which I mean, in anything I've ever learned that was useful, I didn't learn it in one block of time. <laughs> that's so true. Right. Um, <laughs> So there will be some, um, we are, as a district, are looking to move into some uh, more of the, uh, some online modules that are available as like, you know, for now, it's sort of, I guess, the buffet PD, where sure. you know, all this is here. If you're working on this, this module is available for you. Um, Twitter has been steadily growing um, for, for us here. It's one of those things where um, you know, sometimes being, being out where we are, we're a little bit isolated. I mean, there yeah. are some districts around us, but it's easy to get trapped in, in our own bubble. Um, and so Twitter has been growing just as a form of awareness of, yeah. of you know, you teach social studies, here's some really awesome social studies teachers, check, check those out. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that I would love to, to pull in to that as well as, um, and we actually had last year, there was a PD session I had where, uh, teachers essentially chose a topic and they went on Twitter and oh, very cool. our, our PD session was they broke into groups and they went through Twitter and just started talking and sharing. And, um, it was the easiest PD session I've ever led. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. Um, well, it was student led, it's student led, right? Here's your topics. <laughs> Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it was really cool. And it was, it was, uh, it was awesome to see PD be that collaborative. Um, you know, even if it's, even if there are collaborative activities built in, if it's still a sit and get type of PD, um, you know, I think learning and collaboration is where real growth happens. And, and if you talked about like holding your feet to the fire, if you tell a group of seven people, hey, here's this cool idea I'm going to try out. All of a sudden, there are seven people that know you're not going to do it if you don't do exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, 
those are some of the big things. One of the other pieces that, that we're excited to bring in to support the learning that happens in those kind of those one-off sessions every, every month um, yeah. is, and I know uh, Jennifer Gonzalez wrote about this, so the, the pineapple charts. Um, so essentially they're, you could call them hospitality charts where you're inviting people into your room. Um, oh, cool. And so you say, you know, you have a list for the week and it's first through fifth period for us here. And, uh, you know, someone might say on Wednesday during second and fourth period, I'm going to try this out. If you want to come see it, you're welcome to come into my room. Um, because I think that, and I know even times where I've covered for teachers or subbed in different classrooms, man, I walk their walls and steal as much as I can yeah, and sure. like take the routines, write them down, do everything I can. And so I think the more we're in each other's rooms, that that is where a lot of the learning really happens is, you know, watching each other teach, getting comfortable enough to just have conversations about teaching with each other and mm. being able to walk out with new ideas that you can apply in your own classroom right away. That's awesome. And is the admin providing subs for that or is it on your prep time? Like what's the, how's that to get um, into those rooms? So it is nice. We do have some built-in time available um, in our contract to be able to get into okay. those rooms and have some coverage. Cool. Um, a lot of it, I'm sure to start will be just on prep periods. Like yeah. if you see something cool during your prep period and you want to pop in there, then, you know, you can, no, you can. yeah, then you can do that. And it's just nice knowing instead of, uh, cause right now there is an open door policy, but it's always yeah. kind of weird when like, <laughs> you don't know what's going on in the classroom. They don't know you're coming in and all of a sudden you just show up. So right. uh, I like the idea of just people saying like, Hey, here's a strength. If you want to come in and see it, or here's something I'm trying. If you want to check it out, you're yeah. welcome to come on in. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Just opening up the door even wider, making it official. Yeah. 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 I'm officially open. <laughs> My door's open and I'm officially open. Put yeah. the neon flashing sign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there soon, right? We'll yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about your school district and your tech setup, like how size of your school district. Um, and then kind of what do you have technology wise for students? Um, so I spend most of my time up at the high school and we have uh, I think we're crossing over 2000 students next year. Oh, wow. Um, and we, as of now, we're officially one-to-one -one in terms of numbers of devices. Um, we have our junior seniors are on a take home program for their one-to-one. -one. Um, and then we have carts in most, if not, yeah, most, not all classrooms that have underclassmen in them. Um, so it is, there are, there are, a couple dead zones we're working on still, but for the most part, we have uh, universal access in our building at least. So for your, your freshmen and sophomores, do they, like they come to your class, they get a, is it Chromebooks? Are you using Chromebooks? Yep. Or yeah. You get a Chromebook out of a cart and then put it back in that cart and then go to math and get a Chromebook out of the cart and put it back in the cart? Yep, exactly. And okay. the long-term plan is to hopefully do the full one-to-one. -one. So freshman yeah. year, you come in, you get, I don't know, uh, a G5 Chromebook that hopefully yeah. will last you four years. You're right. Yeah. And uh, you'll take that one and that one's yours to go through. But uh, I think that's another year down the road. Yeah. You just, yeah. Every school district's in a different place with that, but your yeah. 11th and 12th graders are already there. They're yeah. they out and go good. Yeah. And it's been, they, they've had that for two years, I think. Okay. Um, and it was really cool. Our senior English teachers um, like year one jumped totally paperless. They said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Um, and we're going to try it out. Um, and so I, it was, it was cool to see that, you know, yes, it's new. Yes. It's kind of scary, but yeah, let's embrace it and see what happens. And I, I always, I love that approach. It might be scary, but if you embrace it, it's going to work out a lot better than if you like 
uh, we'll dip our toes in and see how it yeah. goes, but we keep all of our worksheets the same. Exactly. It's <laughs> the problem with dipping your toe in is you've got too, it's too easy to grab land as soon as something, <laughs> right? Water gets just a little too cold. It's too easy to just jump out. <laughs> got to get in. Uh, so as you finish up this school year and you start to reflect back on, you know, you still are teaching the one class and you're supporting all these other, um, all these other educators in your district. Um, as you reflect back, what was, what's maybe like a unit either you did with your kids or that maybe you helped another teacher that as you think back, you're like, you know, that was really cool and kind of talk us through that. Do you have one that you kind of, as you end the school year? Yeah. So actually it's helpful. My students, I, I have them take a survey on um, like their learning methods and what worked best for them. And so um, one of the options that was listed on there was self-paced learning mm -hmm. and universally across the board, I got really strong feedback from that, that it worked. Um, so I had a unit, uh, it was an argumentative writing unit. Um, and I just decided sort of based on a, a quote that I saw, it said, essentially, what are you doing with your classroom time that justifies having uh, students in a physical classroom at a specific time, right? And that kind of messed with my head because if it's just delivering content, they don't right. need to be there anymore, right? If, right, if it's, yeah. if it's uh, doing just practice problems, they don't necessarily need to be in there for that portion. So um, I wanted to take as much as possible the instruction piece and, and remove that from the center of the classroom. Um, and so I, I determined like, what did they need to learn? Um, and I flipped a lot of those lessons that really needed to happen. Um, and using, I used a Google Doc uh, so students could have a record of what they were working on, what they needed to do. And then from there, I just kind of pulled in a bunch of activities. So they were doing some Flipgrid videos to kick off discussions and those were listed in there. And um, it was really cool to see with that self-paced piece, um, students still were working on similar concepts and, and, you know, learning the same content. But when they got to the end, when it came time for an assessment, they didn't feel like they had to do it at the same time as everybody else. And so mm -hmm. I had them at checkpoints, they would have to prove to me that they could take the assessment. Okay. Um, and it was just really cool to sort of flip that on its head. Instead of me saying, you have to do this at, at yeah. that point, they had to say, they had to prove. I'm, to I'm ready. That, yeah. It was almost like, when they finally got to a point where I was like, okay, you can have the assessment. They were like, finally, I've been working yeah. on it for so long. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and that was just cool for me. Like so often we say assessment for learning or a, right. you know, an opportunity to demonstrate understanding. But if, if we're always forcing assessments on kids, when we know some of them may not be ready, like yeah. an assessment for or demonstration of not understanding and we know yeah. it's going to go that way. So I, yeah. that was a big piece for me is, you know, giving students a little more ownership and allowing them that to have an authentic metacognitive process where they had to not only say where I'm at in my learning, but then determine, am I ready to move forward? Am I ready? Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about having check-ins along the way where those just verbal conversations a lot of times with kids where they would come up and you'd ask them a couple questions or how like those check-ins along the way, what did those look like? A lot of those were verbal check-ins and that was yeah. the piece that I really liked the most about um, totally making that, unit self-paced is like I was free the entire time to yeah. go work with students and, and I it was really easy to pull small groups aside and um, a lot of it was still I would do check-ins where there were some like you know an entry task with three questions and I want to make sure you know I can figure out who needs some additional support in small group time um, right. but yeah the coolest part was the those check-ins and the amount of time I was able to sit with kids uh, and with with all my students and that I mean 
any, I'm sure any teacher agrees, like when you get to sit down one-on-one -on -one with the student, that's where you really feel valuable yeah. learning is happening. Yeah. And I think that one of the mental shifts that I think it's important for teachers to understand in that, and it's one of the things that we're constantly talking about with teachers is it's not that you're doing less work when the kids in front of you, because you're like, you know, I'm free during class time. It's because you front loaded, like all your work was done before that unit ever started. Yeah. Right. Like you had, you really, and, and you don't have to have it all done, but you've got to have a pretty strong framework ready to rock and roll so that you have that time because you've already, you've already gone out and found the videos or you've already put together some quick little assessments to get you started, or you've started gathering resources for kids so that they can choose and be self-paced. But that stuff's got to happen before you start the unit so that when you're in the unit, kids are coming into the class, you're just supporting, oh, you need this here, try that link, or here, you might need to do this, you need to do that assignment here. Oh, let me ask you three questions, I'll let you know if you're ready to go on to the second one, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it just gives you that freedom because you, you were able to do that stuff ahead of time. And to me, that's, that's a ma major shift. And it, mm -hmm. a shift for me that I find that we are, we are getting, I find a lot of educators are so lesson to lesson based that we oftentimes lose sight of the big picture. Yeah. That today, today is lesson A, and now I come into school tomorrow and it's lesson B, and then it's mm -hmm. lesson C, and next thing you know, I'm starting to call them page numbers, and next thing you know, I'm just using, <laughs> you know, using the, the questions in the back of the book, and you, we, you, we don't have that time to stand back and say, no, here's the idea, here's the unit, argumentative writing. How can I structure this for a way moving forward and get mm -hmm. that structure in place whether it's flipped classroom, whether it's gamification, like whatever your structure you're using, get that structure in place so then you can spend that time with kids. Yeah. I love that. I love that you asked yourself even your, your, like your own essential question of like, what is the best use of the time with these kids in front of me? Yeah. 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 And so it's cool. when I first started, it's funny. I think there was, a, there's always a little bit at the back of my head of like, can I leverage tech to make my life a little easier? Right. <laughs> yes, and like it's there, but I, I quickly realized if I'm doing it right, it's not easier, it's just more meaningful, right? Like, it's not that I had a bunch of free time during class that I could just relax with. I was still busy and I honestly was, I think I moved more and like, I finally yeah. got a Fitbit. I think I had like <laughs> at least 2000 steps every class period. Wow. Um, but it was, it, was, it was less structured and I felt like more happened. Um, yeah. Like, I, or I, I shouldn't say less structured. There was a bunch of stuff going on um, and there were clear procedures and routines, but I, my day was less structured. So I was adaptive to whatever students needed. And yeah. so like, but I was kind of tired by the end, yeah. but I could always reflect and, and I could really easily pinpoint this student learned this, right? Like yeah. th I know this student understands this better now. And so it's not easier. And if it is easier, time for some reflection, but it's yeah. definitely more meaningful. Yeah. And here at uh, Adira Learning, we call that highly structured, loosely organized. Right? Yeah, like there we go. You want highly structured, like you had a structure in place. It was flipped classroom was your structure. You had Google Docs, like the structure of learning was there. The organization of that learning allowed kids to decide, okay, here's the structure. How I organize my learning inside that structure, totally up to me. And I've got a guide to help me organize it within this structure. I can't mm -hmm. go everywhere because there's a structure in place. Yeah. But within that structure, I get self-control over how I organize my learning and when I'm ready. When am I ready to move on to the next unit? When am I ready to go that, or do I do, maybe I need to go reread that or go rewatch that. Or, you know, like you've got the, the, the organization of, of the learning is now the student. The structure is still, uh, you know, what the, what the teacher puts in place. Yeah. 
So I like that. Like, I, I, I love the way you said that. And as soon as you said it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a highly structured, loosely organized environment. That's what we're <laughs> constantly talking about here. So I love that. That's a really good way. That's a really good way to put it. So. Well, awesome, my friend. Well, thank you for taking time out of your day. We are only interrupted once by the intercom, but uh, <laughs> that's a that's a good day if it's only hey, one. that's 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 a, that's always a good podcast when we get in, in about a half hour or so of conversation. So, well, thank you for taking time out of your day uh, to to sit down and just chat about where your district is headed with professional development. And again, I'm so excited to have you as part of our consulting team. Uh, we'll be you. touching base more about that going forward and helping you help districts. Uh, outside of your own as well. So um, Tyler, thank you for taking time and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks for everything you do. It was fun talking. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.